Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today, by advertising with the sports circuits. It's time for NBC Radio News on KCAA Loma Linda. Brought to you by Green Kong Dispensary, the Inland Empire's finest curated medical and recreational dispensary. Google GreenKong.com. Country Express, KCAA Loma Linda. Power Country, KCAA Overnight. Wicked weather, cameo slight. I'm Barbara Kusak. A cold and blustery winter storm unleashed downpours and extensive snowfall on Southern California. The system even triggered tornado warnings as it snarled post-Christmas travel on major routes today. 
Meteorologist Tom Sater says the system has caused trouble elsewhere, too. Heavy rainfall, though, is going to flood areas of Arizona. We've got a ground stoppage at the airport in Las Vegas. Pyongyang let the Christmas holiday pass without the gift promised by the North Korean regime. Correspondent Paula Hancock's reports that doesn't mean a weapons test won't materialize. We are also uh, expecting and hearing from U.S. officials that the window's not closed. They're expecting this window to be open potentially through early January, which is uh, Kim Jong-un's uh, birthday as well. And of course, there is that year-end deadline that North Korea has given the U.S. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu scored a landslide victory in a primary race for leadership of the ruling Likud party. It's an important boost ahead of the country's third election in less than a year. With an impeachment hearing pending, correspondent Jeff McKay reports President Trump turned his attention today to a cameo slight. Where's the lobby? Down the hall and to the left. Thanks. That was Donald Trump, who in 1992 owned the Plaza Hotel and had a cameo on the holiday hit Home Alone 2. The Canadian Broadcasting Corporation's been showing the movie, but with the Trump scene missing. The CBC says a number of cuts were made to the movie to add more commercials, but President Trump is not buying it, saying on Twitter he blames Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, saying he must be upset about having to pay more for NATO and a trade deal. The FAA has plans in the works to identify and track most U.S. drones within three years. The agency's proposed rules to aim to balance law enforcement and safety concerns with industry interest in the commercial uses of those drones. Stocks closed higher with the Dow adding 106 points. The S&P 500 rose by 17 and the Nasdaq jumped 70 points for the day. I'm Barbara Cousette. From the KCAA Weather Center, I'm Bob Scarborough. For tonight, a chance of showers before 10. It'll be partly cloudy with a low of 39. Sunny tomorrow, high near 57. North winds with gusts as high as 25 miles an hour. Mostly clear Friday night, low 37. Sunny on Saturday with a high of 58 degrees. I'm Bob Scarborough, broadcasting live from the Tri-City Center at the 10 and 210 freeways. We are the trifecta of talk in Southern California, KCAA, 102.3 F. FM Riverside 106.5 FM Redlands and the Legacy 1050 AM Loma Linda San Bernardino. The symbol of power and majesty, the gorilla, feared and respected. Our closest animal cousin believed to possess human-like depth and understanding. Green Kong Cannabis Dispensary of Paris aspires to develop the same understanding. Green Kong is a destination, a personal experience with great service for everyone. Located right off the 215 freeway and Hurley Knox Road in Paris, Green Kong is safe, legal, and easy. Visit GreenKong.com for orders. You must be 21. Green Kong is the place for you. Experience Green Kong's exotic surroundings in their jungle-like setting. Bathed in soothing light, Green Kong is a go-to destination for the CBD or cannabis curious or the connoisseur. Google GreenKong.com or visit Green Kong's brand new exciting new location in Paris, California. It's time to make the Tri-City Center in Redlands a regular part of your weekly shopping experience. Tri-City is home to a wide assortment of quality businesses, including the all-new Ocean Aquatics. Check out their variety of exotic tropical fish, along with fish food, accessories, and tanks of all shapes and sizes. The Tri-City Center is located just off of Alabama and the Tennessee exits in Redlands. Visit the Tri-City Center today and find out why it's called the Mall with a Heart. Ladies and guys too, you work hard. 
and once in a while, you have to take care of yourself. When it's time to pamper yourself, to take care of yourself, your next stop should be Next Gen Nails and Spa in Redlands in the Tri-City Center. It's very special. Relax. Enjoy this special, luxurious treatment that you deserve. And leave your stress behind with the best beauty care and a royal spa pedicure that includes a warm water soak, trim, sea salt scrub, paraffin therapy, and a luxurious hot lotion massage. You deserve it, and you deserve it today. Look good, feel good at Next Gen Nail and Spa in Redlands because you're worth it. And for a quick session, join Next Gen on Wednesdays for their $10 off spa treatments happy hour from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. The salon is always squeaky clean and waiting. So for the best beauty care and to treat yourself, it's Next Gen Nails and Spa at 1470 Industrial Park Avenue in Redlands or Google Next Gen Nails and Spa in Redlands. Christmas. The whole house was mellow. Now that creature was strewn, I had a gun under my pillow. When up on the roof, I heard something pound. I sprung to the window to scream, Yo, keep it down! When what to my wandering eye should appear but that hairy elf, Vinny, and eight friggin' reindeer. With a bad hacking cough and a stench of burp beer, I knew in a moment, Yo, the Kringle was here. With a slap to their snouts and a yank on their manes, he cursed and he shouted and he called them by name. Yo, Tony! Yo, Frankie! Yo, Sally! Yo, Fito! Ay, Joey! Ay, Polly! Ay, Pepe! Ay, Guido! As I drew out my gun and hid by the bed, down came his boot on the top of my head. His eyes were all bloodshot. His B.O. was scary. His breath was like sewage, and he had a mole that was hairy. He spit my eye, and he twisted my head. He soon let me know I should consider myself dead. Then, pointing a fat finger right under my nose, he let out some gas and up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, screaming, and away they all flew, for he threw him a beating. 
but I heard him exclaim, or better yet, grump, Merry Christmas to all, and bite me, you hump. Time to take a water break and talk some water. Irrigation. such a refreshing topic. As more and more markets face water restrictions, your customers may be hungry, or should I say thirsty, for water-saving products. For new installations, add options like drip irrigation, controllers that respond to weather data, pressure-regulating heads, or heads with check valves. They all provide easy ways to differentiate your bids and win more jobs. Or for an extra stream of revenue, offer existing customers upgrades like high-efficiency nozzles, rotary nozzles, or Wi-Fi-based controllers. Because when you help your customers save water, you make a world of difference for the Earth and your bottom line at the same time. We'll drink to that. If you knew there was a pipe cement that works better than the one you're currently using, is better for you and the environment, and costs the same or less, would you buy it? Well, no-brainer, right? Weldon, the trusted leader in solvent cements for over 60 years, is pleased to introduce a new line of solvent cements that does all that. Introducing the Eco-Series line of solvent cements for PVC piping systems. Not only does it work great and set fast, it also has 30% lower solvent emissions and less smelly fumes. A better workplace environment when you're installing pipes. But don't just take our word for it. Eco-Series products are the only solvent cements that are Green Seal certified for environmental innovation for effective performance, improved working conditions, and for use with potable water. Now available in a medium-bodied, fast-setting blue formula, 905 Eco, and a regular-bodied, fast-setting clear formula, 900 Eco. Pick up a can today from your local distributor and see, smell, and feel the difference, just like Joe Sweat, president of Sunrise Irrigation, did. He said, after using Weldon's 905 Eco, we immediately noticed the application was smooth and there was noticeably less odor than other blue solvent cements on the market. The guys love it. To learn more about eco-solvent cements from Weldon, visit the website at www.weldon.com or call the technical service hotline at 877-477-8327. That's 877-477-8327. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, K292FQ Riverside, and K293CF Moreno Valley. All right, well, welcome to uh, the second half of the Water Zone. Um, I have a very special guest today, uh, and that is Rick Mallory from the J.G. Boswell Company. Welcome to the show, Rick. Thank you. You know, Rick and I go way back, uh, the early days, uh, lots of irrigation happening at the J.G. Boswell Company, and we've recently reconnected, and we're actually here at the Irrigation, uh, irrigation Association show in Las Vegas on the show floor where Rob Starr uh, has created a radio booth within the Toro booth. Oh, we all did. This is a joint effort. Yeah, <laughs> this is so much fun to be broadcasting live from uh, the Irrigation Association show in Las Vegas. So, Rick, you... Um, I'll just remind Rick that whatever happens here stays here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rick, you don't need to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Rick, you, you work for uh, a company that is arguably one of the largest uh, irrigated farms in the country, if not the world. Um, tell us about yourself, how, how you end up being the irrigation manager at the J.G. Boswell Company, and then we'll dive into a little more information about um, what you grow and what the farm does. All right. Well, I, uh, I grew up in Atascadero, 
where there's not a lot of irrigation, but there is some. And I, I've heard, had people tell me before that, you know, they used to they used to go out and they'd start siphon pipes with their dad, and and that's what got them into irrigation. I actually moved to inch sprinkler pipe in sorghum when I was about eight nine years old, and that didn't get me into it because I hated it. That was a miserable job. But I did start getting involved in irrigation a little bit um, when I was going to. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Cal Poly. Uh, I managed a little cattle ranch and I, I set up a few irrigation systems. So I kind of developed an interest. And in the 80s, I took over the water department as water department manager for um, Boston Ranch, which was a satellite ranch for J.G. Boswell. And uh, so we immediately went into a drought which I thought at the time was the worst thing that could possibly happen to me. That's just my luck. And as it turned out, it was a godsend because I learned an awful lot going through a drought about reactivating wells, drilling wells, irrigation systems, efficiencies, uniformities, all that kind of good stuff. So um, from that, I ran the water department for up until 99 and then became the irrigation specialist in Corcoran on about 100,000 acres. And we have progress. We're probably not where we want to be, but we we have an awful lot of ground on very efficient irrigation systems. A hundred thousand acres, that is not lost on me, and I'm sure it's not lost on uh, a lot of people. Uh, we know that the West was really built around uh, townships, you know, a, town, a section of land is 640 acres, and a township is like 36 township or 36 sections, so you do the math, that's, the, you know, I think you irrigate about three townships. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, think, a, I think you're about right, yeah. That, that's a lot more than the 100 linear feet of uh, two-foot beds that I have in my backyard with lettuce. So, um, anyway, that's an awful lot of ground to irrigate. Now, did Cal Poly help prepare you for this uh, illustrious position in life? Early on, back when I was going to Cal Poly, um, no, because I don't think there was even any irrigation classes. Oh, I was wow. I was ag business. So Dr. Burt wasn't there yet? No. Uh -huh. Nobody was there. Okay. So, but since then, the uh, very intelligent people at Cal Poly and ITRC have been a big help to us. Everything I think I know came from them. Great. Right. Yeah. So, um, 100,000 acres. Tell us a little bit more about the J.G. Boswell Company and the Boston Ranch and how all that, how is it structured and what do you grow? Well, in Boston Ranch, which is where I got my start, um, we started growing vegetables. And, and, and that's not in Massachusetts, right? No. No. That, okay. It was originally owned by the Church of Boston, oh, which is why they called it Boston Ranch. I didn't know that. Okay. And it was one of those things that J.G. bought 45,000 acres from the Church of Boston oh. and then turned around and sold some of the non-contiguous ground for enough to pay for the ranch. So he got the ranch for free. J.G. was a very smart man. Yeah. But... Um, we grew, we started growing vegetables back in the, the late 80s. We grew garlic, dehigh onions, fresh market onions, um, fresh market tomatoes, processing tomatoes. We got pretty good at it. Um, we actually had our first drip trial in 1991 on processing tomatoes and um, cotton. And they were not immensely successful, but they were successful enough to get the ball rolling to where we got where we are today. 
Um, Boston Ranch is no longer owned by Boswell. It was within Westlands and probably a smart decision to get rid of it. But we have the Corcoran Ranch grows about 60,000 acres of Pima cotton, uh, about 18,000 acres of processed tomatoes, another 3,000 acres of pistachios, and then rotational crops. Um, our Kern County Ranch, which I think is about 45,000 acres farmable, has 15,000, well, 12,000 acres of pistachios, a couple thousand acres of cotton and processing tomatoes and some fallow ground. So you, you kind of refer them to different ranches, so they're not 100,000 acres all in one. The Corcoran Ranch is 100,000 acres that, by itself. Okay, yes. so then there's these other ranches. So right. in, in total, how many acres does the J.G. Boswell Company farm? You know, I, I when people ask me that, I tell them it's 250,000, and I think it's somewhere in that neighborhood. That's that's even more townships. <laughs> and, and the crops and the crops they grow because I'm not I'm not from the farming industry, but it's really interesting to me. So how do they determine what they should grow? And then when the, when the, the season is over for the crop they're growing, how do they know what to put to the next? I mean, do they do it because it's the stuff is easy to grow for those particular seasons, or is it more profitable to pick certain crops to do? I mean, why? Uh, again, I, if I, somebody said, here, you can start a farm, I wouldn't know what to start with. What is it going to make me money? Is it not going to make me money? To, you know, is cotton more more uh, valuable than pistachios? I, how does that work? Well, it's, it's actually very complicated. <laughs> That's what, what I assume. The problem is that we're a vertically integrated company. We do basically seed to fiber, you know, on, on cotton. I mean, we do everything, but we, do, we don't own a textile mill, but we do everything else. Um, processing tomatoes, we own two processing plants. So when you own all those facilities, you have to feed them. Yeah. And that can be a detriment because right now commodity prices are, are in the tank and they have been for several years, but we still have two processing plants for tomatoes that we have to feed and we still have five gins that we have to feed. So it's almost like regardless of what the commodity price is, you still have to grow some. If, if prices are good, we have a full water supply, then our acreage on Pima Cotton goes up to 60, 65,000 acres. If the price is down, we don't have a full water supply, then that acreage will go down. But there's always going to be some of both of those crops, just because we have the facilities that we have to feed, we, we have, to keep, have to operate them. So, so. In so in 1991, when you started experimenting with drip, was the whole... 250,000 acres flood irrigated at that point? No. Or siphon pipe irrigated? Actually, both of the satellite ranches, excluding Oscott, um, both the Kern County Ranch and Boston Ranch, Kern County Ranches and Boston Ranch, were furrow irrigated. That's where I got my start was furrow irrigation. Corcoran has always been, we don't call it flood, we call it border strip. Okay. So, and it, it was always border strip irrigated. Um, but, no, the other two ranches were furrow. Okay, so but it, it's, but they were all gravity irrigated. Yes. Okay, so what made you folks in 1991 want to go to say drip or sprinkler irrigation? What what were the drivers? Well, we had just gone into a drought. Um, Westlands had never been under 100% allocation until 1990. Okay. And in 1990, we went from 100% allocation down to 50%. And I think the next year was 25. The next year was 40. So we were in a world of hurt. We didn't have enough water to to irrigate 25,000 acres so we did it you know just trying to save water you did it for water right uh -huh. and that was the the driving force for a long time until we realized that 
we can do so much more with a, an efficient uniform system. Uh, we actually went from, I think our average was about 35 ton on processing tomatoes at Boston Ranch, and we went from 35 ton and now we're averaging 60 to 65, and the only difference is subsurface drip. So you actually came at it from a water conservation angle, but you ended up loving it because of a production advantage? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. quality too. And quality, quality. quality increased dramatically. So it was a tough sell because the processors, this is before we owned a processing facility, processors wouldn't take them because mm. the perception is that you were bringing water balloons. And I think that, you know, Harris Farms actually got started before we did. And that's kind of what happened, is they their solids were very low. Um, they were basically just evaporating everything off as water. There was nothing to it. So, so, so for our listening audience, they probably may not know what uh, water balloons are in the tomato processing tomato industry. So, so you were creating tomatoes that had too much water and not enough, what you say, sugars or bricks. Right. Yeah. But since then, have you probably learned how to manipulate the crop better? We have. Yeah. It's top secret, though. Oh, that's the secret <laughs> sauce. So you can't tell us exactly what you do. Secret recipe. Okay. So um, that's tomatoes. Tell us about cotton. That's where you have the most acreage of, right? Yeah. We we, uh, we started growing Pima cotton at Boston Ranch in 91 and then in Corcoran in 99, 98, 99. And it's, it's a long season crop. Um, it actually lends itself very well to subsurface drip. We, at one point, were a pretty, we weren't a high percentage, but we were several thousand acres of Pima cotton on subsurface drip. And we have issues with compaction and salt, and we've never been able to overcome those as a rotation from tomatoes. And so right now we're just a very small percentage of it is, in, is on drip. Uh, of your Pima cotton? Yes. And you don't have any other types of cotton now, Kayla, or anything? Okay. No, okay. our Australia ranches, that's all they grow is upland, but we, that's all we grow is Pima. All right, and I, I will note to the listening audience, he's wearing a pair of Wranglers, so hopefully that's the Pima cotton that you grew on your own ranch. You never, I hope so. You never know. Yeah, they fit well. Uh, yeah, it could, it could be. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we always like to, you know, wear what we grow you know, yeah. or, or eat what we grow at least. I remember being on the west side with you folks and the, the growers would just dump out the uh, ketchup bottles because they wanted to increase the demand for the processing tomatoes, you know, <laughs> dump it out on the plate. Oh, I remember, uh, I'm not going to mention his name, but there was an <laughs> onion grower from Clearwater Supply in Washington that used to come down and we would have lunch with him and he absolutely hated onions but he was a big onion grower so he would order extra onions <laughs> and then scrape them off that's terrible that is pretty common a lot yeah. of people do that yeah um, that promotes food waste which we are not for over here no. but that but it is a, a reality so again for our listening audience they may not know what the westlands water district is tell us a little bit about that is that your primary supply of water for your 250,000 acres no the that was when we owned boston ranch it was all within westlands but our water supply now is Kings River and state water. State water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that comes through the aqueduct? The state water does, yes. Down from the Delta or down from the Sierra Nevada mountains. Right. Yeah. And then part of it from the Kings River, so that would be from the east side from the Sierra Nevada mountains as well. Right. Yeah. Well, actually, the Kings River ends in on our property. On, ends. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any of your own wells? We have a lot of wells. I think the last count, it was like 150 or so. And they're, because the Corcoran clay layer is so deep there that every one of them is a million dollar well. So they're very expensive. Um, water quality is pretty good. So, 
No, with your own wells, I had read a while back that the state, at least in California, has, if they see water anywhere, they say it belongs to the state. You know, whose water is it I've anyway? i that, yeah. Is, is, is the wells something that they can charge you for, or that's your, you can use as much as you want out of that? No, or? at this point, we can use whatever we want, but that's going to end at some point. When Sigma kicks in fully, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure what's going to happen. We're in better shape than most because we do have a, a really good allocation from the Kings River. We get water from Cahuilla, Success, Kern River. Um, and in fact, we flood on average every 15 years, So, which is not necessarily a good thing, but it, it does lead to a full water supply. Um, but no, I, I'm not sure what's, I, I think we're all kind of guessing what's gonna happen with Sigma. And I don't think it's gonna be good for a lot of people, but I think we're in better shape than most. So for our listening audience, what is SIGMA, the State Groundwater Management Act? Um, that's fairly new, right? Just the last couple of years, the state of California enacted a law that uh, regulates the groundwater. Yeah, I think we have to have our plan in by January something of yeah. next year. So. And basically the goal is to prove that you're not depleting the groundwater. Right. Yeah. So what sort of a challenge is that for you when you're irrigating that many acres and so many different crops. Uh, how, how are you going to comply with that? I don't know. <laughs> I really that's don't. That's the million dollar question. Huh? Well, fortunately, that's not really part of my department. Okay. That's, that's the water department and the COO get to worry about that kind of okay. stuff. But uh, no, we're still in, I mean, I think at some point we all know that we're not going to be able to pump groundwater like we're used to, whether that's whether they're cutting us by 75%, 50%, or 85%. There's a lot of numbers out there. Um, I don't think it's going to be good, but once again, we're, we've positioned ourselves pretty well. So, do you, think, do you think the state really needs to invest more heavily into uh, collection of water? recycle water and use use it to pump back into the ground versus in 90% of Southern California the water when it rains goes to goes to the ocean right and it's kind of kind of sad and even you take a look at the pipes that we have I'm sure all over in California they're almost 100 year or more than 100 years old I mean I don't I don't see a really move I hear talk for the last for me 14 years in this business and I don't see a whole lot of change in, in that and, and and all I want to do is keep charging people more money and there's one senator uh, two years back, I think it was one of the shows we were talking to, where he wanted to he wanted to get rid of all the agriculture in California because they're using all the water. It's ridiculous. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I gotta believe they gotta start looking and start. Yes, we have to use water more efficiently, and I think the industry, whether it's agriculture, and I know they're doing a great job, and and same with residential commercial. But after a certain point, you can't get further unless you make other changes, and the government's got to stop putting all these regulations, and it's going to hurt everybody. But they put out, I don't know, how many employees does your organization have? We're about 2,000. Yeah, so I would hate to see somebody, you know, lose lots of people and have to lay them off because of yeah. silly water things, but... <laughs> Well, I, just, I think upstream storage, you know, we all hope, but we know that it's probably not going to happen. I mean, I, I'd like to think that it would, but the one thing that I know, and I, I just know this from driving around and talking to people, that their groundwater recharge now has become serious. That's part of everybody's plan. Right. And there's some really neat projects that have nothing to do with Boswell, but um, I, I saw one the other day, and I, I know the manager at the water district, and I, I don't know how many acres it was, but it was a huge piece of ground that they bought, and it had producing almonds on it, I believe. And so they paid premium price for it. They knocked all the trees, they pushed the trees out, 
and they sold the dirt to high-speed rail and so they excavated this thing out hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So now they've got a huge groundwater recharge basin for free. So, I mean, that kind of stuff, I don't know how we're going to do it because it's hard to recharge groundwater when you're pumping from below the Corcoran clay layer. But I'm sure somebody in Boswell is a whole lot smarter than I am. They'll figure that part out. But, yeah, groundwater recharge... Regional or local storage is something that nobody ever talks about, but I think that would make a big difference. Um, I don't know, but I think when it comes to the politics in California and where all the power is in Bay Area, Southern California, that I, I just I would hope that we could put in some upstream storage, but I, I don't think so. So, what about technology? Are you? Um, I know you were a judge yesterday for the new product contest here in the Irrigation Association. Thanks you for that volunteer work. Do you see anything on this show floor that's going to help you with the challenges that we're talking about? Well, I don't know that, that there's anything here that specifically helps with the challenge of depleting groundwater, but there's a lot of really good products here. Well, to help you manage on-farm irrigation water, I yes. guess I should say. No, they're helping you grow your crop better and use resources more efficiently. Right. Yeah. No, that was one thing I kind of, I, I didn't know, but when, when we first got here yesterday, we walked through the new product contest, which I always do, and you kind of look and you say, well, I don't, I don't know about that one, I don't know about this one, but when you have the manufacturer standing in front of you explaining all the benefits to it, all of a sudden the complexion changes. All of a sudden, every one of those products up there was a really neat, innovative product, and I was surprised, which made the decision that much more difficult because they're all very good products um, there's some there's a couple of products there that, that if they do what they say they do could revolutionize irrigation so but we'll see so for instance anything you can mention well there is a product called Indra that I've known about for a couple of years I have not had an opportunity I've told them I'll go anywhere in the world to look at it and I haven't had that opportunity yet but when you have a product that they claim with at something less than one pound pressure and zero filtration, and you can irrigate with it, um, that makes a big difference. I mean, all of our, pretty much all of our systems, our tomato blocks, are on diesel boosters, and we spend millions of dollars every year on fuel. And even where we've got electrics, we spend, we spend a fortune on electricity. And, and when I did design a system, I go overboard on pipe sizes, uh, overboard on uniformity. And no, But no matter what you do, it still costs you money. If yeah. you can do it on one pound or less with no filtration 
and I, we'll wait and see. I mean, if that turns out to be true, that that is um, that's a game changer. It really to is to be able to irrigate with no essentially no, no pressure, energy, no, fil- no yeah. filtration. Yeah. yeah. Anything else? What about what about all the uh, the high tech stuff? Uh, you know, the telemetry and um, wireless valves and irrigation scheduling software and the drones, uh, crop mapping. Any of that turn you on? Well, here's my disclaimer. <laughs> We're such a big company that we are a company of specialists, and we don't overlap into other people's um, rooms. And I don't get involved in automation. I don't. I do peripherally. Okay. I don't get involved in soil moisture monitoring. I don't get in. That's a whole different department. Okay. So, and I did not get involved in judging those. Um, what I did see of them, um, there's some neat stuff. But like I said, that's that's not my forte. So I, I try to I try to spend my time on what matters to me. And what matters most to you on the farm? Well. Um, Kind of, I mean, the one thing we're always looking for, we're looking for better products or we're looking for less expensive products. Mm-hmm. Or there was a, of course, I'm not going to be able to remember what the name of it was, but there was a product that was made by Cornell, and it was just a little monitoring device. It was about three inch by three inch, something like that, and it had a vibration sensor in it, very inexpensive, and it just basically bolts or glues onto the pump. And... Um, and it would send an alert, a cell alert, if, there, if the vibration went above a baseline. Hmm. We lose 10% of our impellers on our diesel boosters, oh. and we own 160 of them, or we operate 160 of them. So we lose 10% to cavitation every year for a variety of reasons. So something like that, if nothing else, I mean, even if it doesn't affect your ability to irrigate that block, if nothing else, it's going to save us $100,000 a year. Absolutely. Yeah. So just a simple way to measure flow. or Well, it's measuring vibration. That's but, vibration, but, you, but, but right. if you had a simple way to measure flow out but, on your blocks, yeah. uh, that would be something of interest. Well, we have we have mag meters on everything, and we, and we are getting more into remote monitoring. But something like this, I think that you could actually add sensors to it. There was multiple inputs. So something that's inexpensive, doesn't take up a lot of room, looked pretty robust. Um, I think I'm, I'm going to order some as soon as we're done here. Very good. So, All yeah. right. So that's one technology you found out here at yeah. the show. Yeah, and we do have pivots. And so some of there was another product there that was uh, kind of hard to explain. I'm looking at it now. But um, that's a game changer on pivots, too. That's the first pivot wheel slash tire that I've ever seen that looked like it would actually not continue to create ruts because that's everybody's problem. Everybody back in the Midwest, everybody in Washington, everybody has that problem. And this particular um, wheel looked like it would just pretty much eliminate it. So yeah, that's something that I think as we start having replacing tires, you just put those things on and at some point, 10 years down the road, you've got them all switched out. Wow, so, that's great. Yeah. So all you, you must have a, a plethora of, of equipment on the farms to harvest all these things and to plant the things. And that's got to be a whole, with so many acres, you got to have so much new technology in the, in oh, the yeah. machinery that, that goes. And these, I, I happen to watch a farm channel on, on, on cable TV. Again, I, I'm not a farm guy. Uh, I'm just intrigued by it all. I, I like to see this new vertical farming that they're doing and all this other stuff. And it, it just amazes me where they use. It's in a warehouse and they grow it vertically and, yeah, they, and they use that. hardly any water and things like that. But but I saw this thing where they were auctioning off 
all this equipment, which I know nothing about, and I couldn't believe the one the price of it because it wasn't it wasn't like buying a twenty thousand dollar car. It's like spending a hundred and something thousand dollars yeah. or more, and and all these little gadgets that go on it and what they got. It's just it's amazing. I don't think the rest of the world or people who are not in that industry have no idea what goes into doing all of this stuff. Well, and and our number one priority now is to reduce labor. Only because minimum wage keeps going up every... I'm not going to say that, but... um, So, our cotton pickers now are $800,000 a piece. Wow. Uh Those are the bale pickers, the ones that actually create the round bales that spit them out on the end. But the thing is, they eliminate 80%, 90% of your labor. So, nobody wants to spend $800,000 on a cotton picker. (laughs) But you've eliminated so many people... Um, and the minimum wage, the talk is that when we get to $15, it's not stopping there. It's going to continue until we get to 25 or so. So it costs us, with the employees that we have, it costs us millions every time you go up a dollar in minimum wage. And that's actually my focus, too. We started um, looking around at different technologies that we thought might be able to reduce labor. And we tried water reels. We've tried uh, all kinds of different technologies. And we've actually settled on one called a boom reel which nobody in California other than me and a few other people know about. But I, I actually bought a couple, and they're going to be here next month. So we are labor, the labor component, you know, you're talking about eliminating 13 people just on one operation. And I feel bad for the people that we're eliminating their jobs, but at the same time, we can't, we can't stay in business unless we do that. So, yeah. I wish more of the, even the, the whole water industry and the farming, I guess, you know, you look at high schools today. I remember I, I, I went to a private school, so I didn't have some of the things that, the, you know, I didn't have auto mechanic shop and things of that sort and woodworking. We didn't, we didn't have it that. But for my kids that went to regular public schools, they eliminated a lot of the, the, the skill kind of classes. Because yeah. not, every, not everybody's cut out to go to college. But even today, I mean, I, I look with the IA, we were, I wrote a help write a grant for a, a Bureau of Indian Affairs high school where we were going to help them start in their sophomore year, that a small class could go sophomore, um, junior, and senior, and when they graduate, they would have completed all the stuff to be a certified irrigation landscape auditor. And and, and they would get a great job when they did. And the industry really needs more people to learn about all of this stuff. And and you don't get it in the lower levels. And I don't know why they don't prepare some of that in high school and get a jump start on that and get, get, get this... Kids can get interested, even even doing backflow ca- repairs and and, and and stuff. You can make a, you can make great great money doing that for somebody. Yeah, yeah vocational well, yeah. vocational education. I mean, you probably need some one or two year degree people to go run your irrigation systems. Well, what's yeah? I mean, well, we're a company that promotes from within. Okay. Not exclusively, but we try to do that every time we can. Um, what's happened though, as as we eliminate ground labor. With technology, we need more people that are highly skilled, like right. everybody else. Yeah. Right. That you need that, so, t- that, that degree, maybe not a four-year college degree like Rob was talking about, but like an voca- yeah, an AA yeah. or a vocational ed, so one yeah. or two-year technical degree. And that's kind of what we're looking for. Okay, we're trying good. to figure out, you know, whether I went to an open house at the Farm of the Future at West Hills here a couple of weeks ago, and they have some really neat stuff. Oh, good. Um, I, I have not been to COS in a while, but I know that they... They're kind of what we're looking for. Yeah. You know, right. you, you really can't afford to go out and, and hire a bunch of people with master's degrees to fly a drone. Right. So, 
But you're right. I mean, for and I'm not thinking. I don't think that they were misguided when they pushed everybody towards college. I think that that's good because they're mm-hmm. a college degree makes a big difference. Sure, so you got the haves and the haves nots. But well, it depends on the courses you take. I mean, well, the, you take true. a look at some of these courses they <laughs> have in these arts. college. Yeah, African American uh, studies, or stuff that does have nothing to do with whether they're going to get a real job. With you know, right. But they have gone back now. In, in our area, they they hired a um, ag teacher that is a really good welder, farmer, that kind of guy, and he's just really enthusiastic. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry about that. There were, we, were, we were getting pictured. <laughs> yeah. So your ag welder was enthusiastic yeah, and so likes his new job and yeah. has a has a you know, a career, you know, on a large farm. Yeah, and, and, they've got, and they've started doing welding classes in high school again. Um, there, I don't know that they've got auto shop, but there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And this, they've got a really nice school farm, and they bought their own cotton picker. They planted their own cotton. They're, they planted their own alfalfa. They've got kids involved in in uh, operating the swather and stuff like that when they cut it, which doesn't mean that any of these people are going to do that for a living. Right. But it, but it, maybe it sparks some interest in them and yeah. that, that they want to be involved in agriculture. Yeah, we want to attract people to agriculture. So, yeah. you know, we're getting drained. I mean, the average age of a farmer is, I think, 67 or something, something these like days. That, we yeah. need people to come into the industry. Do you think a lot of, really, let me ask for both of your experience, do you think the farms that have been in business for a long time from family to family instead of big corporation, do you think they're going to continue that way or do you think more of the, the bigger companies are going to come in and take over? Because I, I, from from what I, again, I'm, I'm not an expert in any of the stuff that you guys are, but but I always read that farmers are going broke and they can't afford to pay for all the stuff in a small farm. Can they buy an $800,000? I mean, they've probably got to mortgage no. everything they own to buy that. Yeah. So where, where do you see the, the average farmer in the United States going, aside from the, the big guys? Because big guys got to worry about, like you said, what's going to happen with Sigma and the water. I mean, every, everybody's got to get influenced here. Well, how do you see that? Well, it's already happening. It's been happening for a long time. We get bigger, and our neighbors go out of business, and we get bigger. I mean, the sort of the problem is that we have an environmental affairs department that does nothing but environmental affairs. Most family farms can't afford that. Most family farms can't can't afford to have a guy like me on staff. Um, and I think that with all the regulations in California specifically that. It's going to be really, really difficult for a small grower to survive. I think it already is. So it is sad, but and I think that's happening throughout the United States, too. Yeah. I think the small grower will thrive where they have a specific niche. And some, yeah. you know, like the Go Greens right. or, you know, the vertical farms or certain organic um, types of Do you think there'll be more subsidies from the government or anything to help some of these people? Or I think there already it? are. I think the government wants to have, you know, farmers on the ground. Yeah. We certainly don't want to have all of our food come from overseas. It's a strategic no. advantage. We want to grow our own food, whether we want it all in the hands of a few corporations or not. I, that's above my pay grade. But I, I think there are always going to be a lot of smaller farmers that will find a way. I mean, they'll vertically integrate, they'll grow their own grapes and make their own jelly and private label, and there will always be an audience that will be willing to buy that. But um, And there's just so many new things going on. I mean, the whole uh, uh, meatless meatless meat trend, you know, that's a big one that just started like five years ago, and the whole cannabis thing. So there's always something coming about that will create a niche. Why is the plant, plant-based meat more expensive? 
I don't know that it is. I don't think it is. Oh, you go to Burger King, they charge a dollar more for the... No kidding. Well, uh, just because of the scale at this point. Oh. When it scales up, I'm sure it'll be um, uh, probably about the same. You have to pay for the technology that took to, to, to bring it to market. Good, good like, like the new drugs, you know, they're always more expensive until they get commodities. Very good point. Well, I also wanted to ask, Rick, because we talked about labor quite a bit, and, you know, we're, uh, we're uh, here at the water zone. We're also a, a technology provider. Has drip irrigation in particular helped you save labor or has it been mostly a yield driver if you compare it to your old way of um, gravity irrigating in the various ways well we're a little bit different because we don't have other than on our our trees we don't have permanent systems and what we've done for 20 years in Corcoran is retrieve and reuse and retrieve and reuse does not lend itself to labor reduction so it's actually a lot of labor still it is and that's we've gone trying to trying to reduce that we've gone to what we call single use, which is which is actually not, it's two years and recycle. But two years and recycle versus two years, uh, retrieve and reuse two years, retrieve and reuse one year, it just, it is, it saves an awful lot of labor doing that. The, yeah. Our tape costs are higher, sure, but the labor is the big thing. And then you do recycle the tape when you're done with it. We do. Yeah. Yes. That's great. So not so much labor, um, but uh, really yield, yield, yield. I mean, I think you're getting up to 100 tons per acre on tomatoes in some areas now. We have a few fields that, that always do 90 or 100 tons. Yeah. How about your pistachios? Yes. Well, we only we shook this year in our uh, fourth leaf, so yeah, <laughs> it was exciting, but we didn't get much off of them. No. But they look really good. We've really taken those, and, and there again, the, the primary reason, well, the primary reason for growing pistachios is the profit potential. I mean, there's just no way around it. But secondarily, the labor in pistachios is quite a bit less than it is in cotton and and processed tomatoes. It's a tree crop you can drive around in a tractor. Yeah, you do a little pruning and that's about it. um, So you do that with drip line or is it hand move sprinklers or solid set sprinklers? It's it's, uh, dual line, 12 half gallon drippers per tree. Oh, very good. Online. So you're creating a wetted corridor down those trees. You know, people look at pictures of drip irrigated orchards and they think, how in the world is that tree doing so well with just these little two drip lines? But, you know, we're putting the water right where the roots are and where they need it and we're not germinating weeds and stuff out right. in the middles where you don't need it so it's actually a very efficient way yes. of irrigating so next time when you visit us you'll bring us some samples yeah <laughs> pistachio I'm, I'm addicted to those things oh. I, I, I used to say that i wouldn't i i won't buy them because they're too expensive <laughs> but there's a new store in hanford that sells them for about six bucks a pound <laughs> so i eat pistachios every night yeah i miss my days on the farm too you would just drive by and pick a bag of oranges and yeah it was all good. Well, now, pistach- now you get arrested. <laughs> Pistachios fresh off the tree don't taste nearly no, as good no, as No, 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 no. Those, those need to be processed. But we'd go by the Zaloom plant and, you know, buy a 12-pack of five, you know, five-pound bags and ship them all to your families. Now they're in Costco. It's easy to get. Yep. Yeah. So. Well, Rick, anything else you'd like to share? No. What about horses? Don't you love horses? I own way too many of them. You don't own way too many of them. <laughs> Aren't they other, busy. Other, otherwise known as hay burners? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I grow my own hay, so yeah. that helps. Well, as a, fe- as a fellow horse person, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you have some horses. <laughs> I, I think they're good for the heart and I'm the soul. I'm glad somebody too. does. Yeah, yeah. I hope my wife doesn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> she'll want you to buy another horse. Oh, you love horses so much. Let's get a let's get another couple. Name yeah. it after her. She'll make like that. There you there go. You go. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us on the water.
water zone and enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you on behalf wearing my irrigation association hat. Thank you for being a judge yesterday and coming to the show Pleasure. and uh, being a, an ambassador for the irrigation industry. And thanks for being a guest. You were great. I, I could talk to you for hours and learn more, a whole bunch of stuff. So I'm really fascinated by that. All right. Enjoy the show and go find some new technology. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, we're back here at the uh, IA show in Las Vegas, Nevada, on the Water Zone show with uh, Chris Davies and myself, Rob Starr. We have a gentleman named Bob Petrogruno, Garo, sorry, and uh, he'll he'll correct me because he's had that all his life and he knows how to do it better than I do. And I'm sorry, I practiced it before I said it and I screwed it up, so I apologize. Anyway, he is from a great company called Corona Tools, and if anybody hasn't heard of them, then you're you're not picking out the great equipment it is. But anyway, we want to welcome Bob and have him tell us a little about the show and and, and how it's going with him and and the products what they have. So, uh, and I'm going to be prejudiced because I love their products, lots of them. Bob, welcome. Thanks, thanks, Rob. Thanks, Chris, for the welcome to come out. I uh, appreciate the time and the opportunity to talk about Corona. And yeah. thanks for being a loyal Corona user, Rob. I appreciate it. If you get a little closer here because it's a little background noise. Or if you want to pick it up and hold it, yeah. that, yep. You know what? That's probably better, yeah. We have so many. This, these microphones pick up things from all over the place. So understand. But, uh, no, I appreciate the time today and yeah. coming out and uh, for your loyal uh, service to Corona. And uh, I'm kind of newer to Corona. I've been in this uh, turf and irrigation industry for about 35 years now. I was previous with a company called Earthway Products and make commercial fertilizer spreaders. It came to Corona about a little over a year and a half ago. Uh, the philosophies of the company and how they build products is kind of what drew me here. Uh, I really like the quality, like the program that they put forward on it, uh, and they carry that to this day. Uh, Beginning in 1928 with the first tool uh, created by a high school teacher that was uh, there and it was developed to harvest oranges. Uh, In the 20s, they couldn't ship uh, table oranges across the country because they would rough up against each other and they would abate the skin and they would rot by the time we could get across country. This particular tool allowed them to cut the stem and leave, if you see a table orange, it's got a little star on the top. If you leave that table, uh, that star on, it's gonna, it's like a plug. It's gonna keep it from rotting. So by being able to cut that stem and then pack the fruit, it was able to go across country and it kind of, they refer to it as the second gold rush at California because it was able to really expand that market. You know, transportation being what it is today, it's a lot different, but... Uh, Back then, was it rail? It was all rail. Yeah. It was all rail car, yeah. And, I, and, I, and I've read, because I follow you guys, that uh, you made some improvements to that from, from day one. There's a lot of improvements. The original product is still the same, but we have developed offshoots of that product. We've uh, just in this last year, we've come out with a, it's an anvil type pruner now, but we've come out with a bypass worn shear. Uh, and what that does is it actually speeds up the process. If any of your listeners get a chance, there's a YouTube video out there that shows a guy harvesting oranges and he's doing about 60 oranges a minute. Uh, One it's per al- second. Yeah, it's almost like it's a video sped up as fast as this guy's hands are moving, but it's not. I know my kids, when I have my house with the orange trees, they just sit there and pull them. <laughs> and, and that wasn't the best thing to do. No, we, but that's fine if you're going to pull it and then eat it. Eat it yeah. right now. That, yeah. that's, that's fine. But they did. Uh, but for, yeah, exactly. They had, they had orange fights. They threw it at everybody. <laughs> 
Well, I can't control against that. Being from Chicago, we don't have too many orange no. trees out there anyway to begin with. But uh, uh, Corona's helped kept that philosophy and that forge-type product for the commercial uh, applicator for years now into our uh, ever-popular BP3160 and 3180, our two biggest pruning shears. They're, they're the staples in the industry on it. And that's all forged steel. It's forged in, forged in our facilities. Our original facility was on 6th Street in Corona, where the name came from, but uh, all our forgings are done in our plant in Mexico now. Uh, we do we do all our manufacturing on the forged stuff there. You work on, sorry, I was going to say, you work on ergonomics a lot on all of the products, right? Ergonomics is very important and crucial, and we don't just look at ergonomics as an individual, what you may like, and try and pigeonhole what you like into everybody. We do it based on different sizes as well. We take into account a small, medium, or a large hand. We take into account uh, just different grip sizes overall, as well as, you know, in the larger pruners, you know, we have four different handle lengths on the larger pruners because everybody's arm strength is different. Sure. Right. So we're not looking solely at, at just having one thing that we can pigeonhole in there. Uh, we have certain items that are done specifically for ease of cut. Mm-hmm. Our dual cut, for example, allows you to cut a small diameter branch as well as a large diameter branch. We also have dual link, which is a process where it just cuts the effort needed in half uh, to operate a lopper or a head shear. Right. Uh, it just makes it a lot easier for the user. And a lot of our items cross over to the retail consumer side too, which is important with the aging population that we have. Yep. So we really develop a lot of products with that in mind as well. Uh, some products will have uh, adjustments, so you'll have one item where you can adjust the grip size on it. So that's kind of having one product that can fit every conceivably for right. everybody on that. Yeah, it makes a big difference for the uh, you know the weekend home user who who uses it for an hour or two a weekend to the professional user that eight hours a day is working with these tools. Absolutely, absolutely. In the in the um, shearing season out in um, for wine country out there, operators are doing three to four thousand cuts a day when it comes to pruning the getting the field ready for the season. Which they need something that's going to be lightweight. They need something that's going to hold its edge a lot longer. And not to hurt their hand. And not to day. hurt their hand when they're doing that repetitive stress that you get. You know, the ergonomics and t- carpal tunnel syndrome and all, all those buzzwords that are that are out there uh, are true. They're live, and we want to take that into account. Yeah. What kind of testing do you do uh, on the uh, on the product? Is there a process you use for stress or measuring? Or we have several different levels of testing that goes on. A lot of it is that yes, the stress and the steel that's there, and the amount of force it takes to cut something. But we run UV tests on the products right. too to make right. sure that we get it. We don't have any degradation that way as well. Uh, uh, we get into, uh, when we're talking about long handle tools, we get into uh, weight testing and stressing to see how far a handle is going to bend before it breaks. Uh, so all of our stuffs, we have rigid specs on all of our stuff where that has to pass before it goes out. And you got great warranties on your product too. Correct, correct. Any, uh, our, our products are really bro- broken into two sections. We call it a red section and a black section or a max section. The max product, which is our forged commercial product, that carries a limited lifetime warranty. 
If it fails because of workmanship defect, we stand behind it 100%. Uh, we want the ultimate user to be happy with it. Our consumer products, that carries a five-year warranty for the consumer on that. Uh, but it, it's a definitive line. We carry that through in our packaging, too. You can take a look at our packaging, and if it's a, a red package with a black stripe, then it's our black product. If it's a white package with a red stripe, then that's that red consumer product. Oh, so we you. try and make it be visible because we have some customers out there, uh, you know, lawn and garden shops, you know, your high-end master gardeners really like our commercial stuff. Right. So we want to make sure that they have the ability, availability of getting those as well. So we carry that over into our packaging so people can clearly identify what's the higher-end product of the two. And now, your products are sold in lots of places, big box stores to the specialty distributors and, and things of that sort. And uh, I, I, I buy my stuff from... I'll say from Ewing or Site One or any mm -hmm. of those guys because I know they sell reputable products and they get I, I know your stuff is, is reputable. I know when I was young and stupid and didn't know much about anything and didn't really want to, you know, it's cheap, I guess, and didn't want to always pay landscapers to do my work. I'd go buy the, the cheap, cheap. That was tool. yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> it seems like it was yesterday. But when uh, he was young or when he was stupid? Oh yeah, I'll both of <laughs> Well, I'm not crazy. My mom had me tested, so I'm okay with that. No, but but seriously, there's there's a serious big difference in, in the quality of product that you guys offer. And I mean Anybody that owns a home, and, I, and obviously for the the, the um, commercial users, they want something that's going to last. You're paying good money. You want a good product. You want something stable. And even for your home, even if, even if you're a weekend gardener that does stuff once a month, you want a tool that you can keep forever. I know my dad used to buy craftsman tools. And, 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 you know, he when that main name meant something. Yeah, yeah, and he passed away, you know, years ago, 15 years ago, and I, I, I inherited the tools. And, and I could take a tool that he bought in 1930 or 40 or whatever it was and go back to Sears and get a new a new one for that. Yep. Your reputation stands just as good as anybody else's on, well, on the quality yep. of your stuff. And, good and, stuff. I, and I can't keep saying that. I mean, I... That's all I have right now. It's all in storage because mm -hmm. I'm moving. But but <laughs> but, but, but uh, as soon as I get there, I'll be taking that thing out and using it. So well, good deal. Well, again, we appreciate the time and the support, and uh, again, the following of Corona and uh, our dedication to making that good quality product that the ultimate user is going to be happy with. How can aside from going to the stores, how can they look at your catalogs or anything? Is there a oh, sure. website? Oh sure. Hit our website, which is CoronaToolsUSA.com. Uh, we do sell products on our website too so you have the access it's usually more advantageous to find it in another source than on yep. our website to be honest with you uh, but you can see you can get a good comparison for what you're looking there looking for there so we have that and we have links to other operators that'll have our stuff you'll find our stuff our commercial stuff we do have some stuff at Lowe's at uh, if you're in the Midwest at Menards Menards uh, yeah. yeah that's another one of ours right. and then if you're if you're uh, we have uh, a bunch of SKUs that you'll find at your local Ace Hardware True Value or do it best hardware stores. Cool. You know, you'll, that's where you'll gravitate and find our our consumer type products. And then right. the Ewings, the Site Ones, Horizon, right. Florida Irrigation, right. Central Irrigation, Central Turf. That's all our distributors yeah, as well. Exa so. Exactly. I mean, it, and and that's the that's on this side of the business. That's where we gravitate yeah. towards because those are the guys that also appreciate the quality. You know, they appreciate the the Toro name right. as right. well as the other commercial products that are out there. Right. Awesome, Bob. Great to have you on the show, hey, man. It was great. To be here, I appreciate We thank the time. you sincerely. Appreciate you come by. Like I said, I want to I want to help promote people that and companies that we like, and and uh, you certainly bring a good product to the to the market, and we want to make sure everybody knows about it. No, oh, thanks. I appreciate the time, guys. All right, thank you. you. All right, bye now.